everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fry Dates with the Wife. In these episodes, my wife and I offer an entrepreneurial couple's perspective on living a more fulfilling and meaningful life. We share our little humble opinions and hopefully make you laugh as we navigate the ups and downs of being entrepreneurs and parents. And speaking of fulfillment, if you want to hire me as your coach, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on the call to see if we are a good fit to help you create and design your dream life and business. That's robshowcoach.com. Before we get into today's Friday episode, our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind event will be in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the F1 race on November 16th to the 19th. These trips are designed to get you out of your day-to-day around some amazing entrepreneurs and provide bucket list experiences that will have you coming home re-energized to grow your business and bring your life to a whole new level. Head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, Psychic Central, how are you today? I'm Psychic Central. You are Psychic Central. You're doing all sorts of weird things, which we won't go into (laughs) in this episode at all. But for those of you that are of the otherworldly type flavor, you (laughs) should definitely definitely reach out to my wife because she will hang with you on different planes if you'd like to. I prefer (laughs) to fly business class on a plane (laughs) and end it there. But that is not the reason why we are gathered here today. We are gathered here today to discuss something that I thought was really interesting. So a lot of the people who live here in Italy, this is our world now, kids. So, you know, the people that we're interacting with are people who've made a similar decision to us, which is to, you know, pack it all up, move to a foreign country, start a new life for a multitude of reasons. Everybody has a different sort of take on it, but for the most part, we all have lots of things that are in common. And so, What's great about that is when we have conversations, we're, you know, mostly coming from the same place, but at different angles so we can hear different things. So yesterday I was out at an event. My daughter did a biathlon and, you know, it sounds much more impressive than you would think. She's a little seven-year-old girl and these kids got together and they did, you know, high jumps or whatever they call that. Long jump. Long jumps, not a high jump over the sand and that kind of stuff. So we were, you know, chatting in the stands about, me and this particular dad, we were chatting in the stands about uh, about life. And he said something really interesting. And he said, you know, Morgan Stanley did uh, some research and they asked men what their number was. And every man, and maybe even woman, I don't know, I'm not one, but every man will give a number. And the number, you know, could be 10 million, it could be 1 million, it could be whatever it What's was. What's the number relating to for context? The number is relating to if I had that number, I wouldn't have to work again. My life would be perfect. I would, you know, whatever it is for you, I'd be flying on private jets. I'd be staying in five-star hotels or I would have enough money to live the life I want in the South of France. You know what I mean? So every guy has that number. And so he said, what do you think it is? 
And I said, 10 million. And he said, that's how I answered it too. He said, that's not what they found in the research. I said, what was the number? He said, it was three times whatever number you were currently earning. So if you're making 100,000, 300,000. And I went, oh, that's interesting. He said, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is when they continually assess the people, that number is the same. It never changes. Well, it the number changes. It just goes 3X whatever you currently have. So Rob, I didn't think of this earlier, but this is interesting. So we talked about, I said, is this true for you? I think it was. When, he, when you first got out of chiropractic school, you made how much? What was your first salary? Oh God. Um, Ish. I would say out of school, like waiting on my license, not knowing anything, apprenticing 30 grand. 30 grand. Okay. And at that time, you couldn't wait till you made... 100. 100. And then when you made 100, you couldn't wait until you made... 300. Okay. Here's where it gets interesting. You 300, you can't wait until you make a million. And we were sitting at this million dollar mark. Like we want to earn a million dollars annually, right? And then you had the conversation with Chris Harder and you guys created the dream life budget of what you would really need. Because like you said, people were arbitrarily just throwing a dart at a number. And we've talked about this in the podcast before, but it was a million, right? Yeah, just for context, if you're a new listener listening to the show, a good friend of ours is Chris Harder. He's got a podcast called the Chris Harder Podcast. It's a great uh, podcast to check out, all on entrepreneurship. But one night, for context for the story, if you're a new listener, one night we were in bougie Beverly Hills uh, out for a dinner with the boys. And I was feeling quite insecure because it was at the beginning of the year and they were all talking about what they had accomplished last year and what they wanted to accomplish this year. And it was, I want to make, you know, 5 million and 10 million and 20 million, whatever, whatever the hell the numbers were. I don't remember exactly, but I remember I wasn't close. And uh, I left with a small penis in hand and feeling quite inadequate. And Chris, the business genius that he is said to me, you know, man, you got this all wrong. We're the one stressing, you're the one living, and I, I need to I need to do something with you. They're and, all envious of your life because you're the one that's like done working by one, surfing until three, and meditating at sunset, you know, on the beach at that time. You are the one that actually making a great income, but living your life full out. And they're overwhelmed and stressed because yes, they have these lofty goals, but with that goal typically comes a shit ton of work hours and stress, right? Yes, but what came on the other side of that is the stress of not feeling adequate enough. So let me just tie this story up in a bow. So he said, let's jump on a Zoom and let's talk about what it was that, uh, oh my God, I completely lost my train of thoughts. I can help you. All right, let me bring you back to where you were. So he said, let's jump on a Zoom. I want to go over something with you. You got on a Zoom with him and you guys talked about what is your real, what's your current budget, right? And what is the dream life budget? Like if you had everything you wanted in the world handled for you, what would that number be? And you sat and went over those two budgets, correct? Are you, are you caught back up to speed now? Yeah. So then, then when I looked at the numbers, I was like, oh God, you know, these guys are, these, these guys are wanting to kill themselves to make this 
amount of money, the $10 million, whatever it was. And I, I didn't need as much money as I thought I needed. So if we circle back to this point of $300,000 wanting a million dollars, the reality is that my desire to go from 300 to 900, and we'll call that a million, was based on nothing more than this formula that Morgan Stanley tried to create, which is this weird thing of wanting three times what you're currently making. When the reality is that what I was currently making was more than taking care of the life that I wanted to have. So I was arbitrarily choosing three times that number. Now here's where it gets interesting. When I looked at the number and I actually achieved the number that I want, I still felt like even though I said, oh, logically I understand this and okay, I'm only going to accomplish the number that I want to live the life I want and then I'm going to spend the rest of my time enjoying my life the way I want to enjoy it. I still wound up feeling tremendous guilt and wanting to manufacture work fidgets, I'll call it, to get back in the game for lack of a better way of saying it. So it never, it, it it's a game that never ends. And so, you know, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people who work with people who've exited companies for a lot of money. And invariably when they get the big check for whatever it is, they either wind up divorced within the first year or they go back immediately to doing what they were doing before. And it's no longer, I mean, you could argue that, you know, the, the, um, the G5 isn't big enough and they need, you know, a plane twice the size or the house in Saint-Tropez isn't uh, large enough and they want another one in Majorca. So there's always, there's, there's always some place to grow to. And they perhaps will argue that. But the reality is that taking the time to go in on the other areas of your life is actually way harder than you think it is. Well, but here's the problem. You're lying to yourself and selling yourself the dream of when I have X, I will sit on a beach and drink a pina colada and that's all I'll do. And then that's when my life begins. But the reality, what you're saying is when you achieve X, you just create a new goal to 3X what you did and you continue working. And what's interesting is, you know, guys are a funny breed and I'm going to put this on you because I, I don't, personally, I don't have this chip. But when you guys hit this goal and you ring the bell, you don't sit in the the joy and the excitement and and really enjoy it because I don't think the ringing of the bell, the hitting of that goal, that whatever it is, I don't think that is what creates the joy. I think the process and the journey, the joy is in the journey and the joy is not actually in the ringing of the bell when you get it. So it's like in the anticipation and the building and the, I think that's where the majority of the joy is because I remember when you and I, um, you know, you had this goal forever to replace your income and move to California, right? And to live this beach life. And when we did that and you rang the bell, yes, you were in joy, but you were 
nonstop driving me bonkers with what's our next thing? We need our new vision board. We need our new goal. We need our new this. And I'm like, is there any possibility we could just enjoy this one now that we got it until one, until a new goal arises? I'm not saying hit the hit the bell, ring the bell, and then you're done. I'm saying, is there a period of time you could possibly enjoy that, go into other areas of life? And then if a new nudge or uh, desire arises like it did for us to move to Italy, go after it, but don't force it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point because I, the conversation I had yesterday with a different dad, he had moved here maybe 15 years ago, something like that. And uh, he was on Wall Street and decided that he wanted to leave and come here and and paint and sculpt and stuff like that. And the 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 contrast of being on Wall Street doing something he didn't want to do is what leveraged him to getting to Italy to do something that he loves to do. And so the only nudge that he had for the last decade was to create. And he found a way to have an, to make enough money on his paintings and, and sculptures, et cetera, to be able to live the passion that he wants to live doing the thing that he wants to do. But now he's getting a different nudge. And the nudge that he's getting is he wants to open a gallery and he wants to go big. And he wants to take his work and other people's work and show it at a different level. So I think that there's not absolutes in this. It's not like, you know, I'm a banker on Wall Street and fuck it, I'm leaving it. And now I'm gonna, you know, live in poverty and just paint. And it's not the other end too. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna leave Wall Street and I'm gonna take that same obsessive behavior and open a gallery and make millions. You sort of have to listen, I think, to what your intuition is telling you. If your intuition is telling you, you need to get out of Wall Street, you need to move to Italy, you need to paint, then you gotta kind of honor that. And I think there's all shades of that for people in their life where they're they're ignoring those things. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with the first dad I was referring to, and he said, everybody likes to talk about a boat with another person that they meet who has a boat until they learn that that person's boat is much bigger than their boat. <laughs> I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, if you got a 50 foot boat or a 30 foot boat, whatever it is, and somebody's got, you know, 20 or 40 feet or something like that, you're like, oh my God, I go out in the water and we have so much fun. But when somebody has like a 400 foot boat with a helicopter on it, it's not as much fun <laughs> to talk about the boat anymore. And now it becomes, well, why is my, what? Okay, well, why don't I have a helipad on my boat? Why is my boat his dinghy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden- But isn't it in interesting because you're so joyful about your damn boat until you have the comparison and the comparison is the thief of joy, right? So you, the moment you compare, like you and I right now are living this life that we created and designed from our coffee in the morning, our coffee walk, putting Sophia on the school bus, going and doing whatever we choose, learning about art and history and learning Italian and great food and great friends. And we created this life and we love it. But we could look at someone else's life here and compare ours. And all of a sudden ours looks like, you know, a peasant life. It's easy to do. And it's easy to do. But for what? Because our life is so is something we love so much, right? Do you find yourself here comparing yourself more 
or less. In in the U.S., you just told the story about how you went to dinner and you left with a small schmeckle in your hand. Mm -hmm. So I hope it wasn't in your hand, by the way. I just thought of what I said. Um, but It would have been weird in the taxi. They would probably would have called the the LAPD. Yeah. yeah, Uber, one-star rating. So do you find yourself, because you're going out here, arguably with people who are 10x more successful than anyone you went out to dinner with in in the States. Maybe 100x, but yes. Yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. So is it, do you think that you have the same level of comparison here or because you're not talking necessarily about money all the time with these friends and you're talking about all the other areas of life and you're connecting more, do you find yourself comparing less? That's a really, really good question. The The short answer to that is yes, I find myself comparing less, but it's an interesting comparison because there still is a comparison. You know, on the one hand, like we went to this birthday party at uh, somebody's house recently, right? And it was, you know, it was the equivalent of, of pulling up to Versailles. <laughs> you know, it was just magnificent. So on the one hand, you go like, oh, well, that's, <laughs> I'm not. I'm in this lifetime. I'm not comparing <laughs> myself to that, right? So there's a little bit of that. But the other thing that I'm that I do find myself comparing myself to, and I really enjoy, and I think is healthy, is what you said a, a moment ago, which is you're not comparing yourself because you're not talking about business. And because the subject matter isn't around accumulation and money and it's around living, I find myself incredibly not envious, intrigued is probably the more appropriate word with how they step into their life. For example, we had a, a birthday party last week with a, a good friend of ours who's now uh, just turned 60. And you know, the Italians believe that they don't wanna have the birthday party um, prior to their birthday. Um, and his birthday fell on the Monday. Superstitious. Superstitious. His birthday fell on the Monday and he didn't want to do it a week later because that felt too weird. So, you know, every seven years or so, it's it gets weird with birthdays. So we had the party and the party was Monday night and they hired a DJ, they rented out the restaurant and we were, you know, going at it dancing. And it was, you know, it was basically like a wedding or, um, you know, a, a, I don't know, just a, a Saturday night restaurant, you know, that was hopping. And everybody is up, including him, and dancing and having a great time and leaning in. Like, I saw something really interesting at that party. Like, you know, he was just sitting at a table and all of a sudden, you know, like, you know how they do in a wedding where they're like banging on the table or banging glasses trying to get the bride and groom to kiss? Well, they were doing the exact same thing for him, just trying to, like, they were just- Celebrating like, him. Celebrating, like everybody was just like banging the table, banging the things and um, waving their white napkins in the air, spinning it in the air, letting him- acknowledging him, I, I can get emotional talking about it, acknowledging him for his birthday. And they don't, like we had a few people at that party that are household names, right? Like you, you, like you know who the names are. None of which were talking business to anybody. Everybody was talking about- His birthday. <laughs> His birthday. <laughs> Literally, or so, life. And so I have to train myself to 
eliminate that conversation of obsessively discussing the next goal, the next project, the next business thing, and have conversations that actually don't have an outcome. Did you like the cake? How's the olive oil? Well, look, can I say something else that I find? Let me say something from my experience that feels better. So when you go out to dinner with people and everybody's talking about their business and their next goal and their next steps and their next whatever, it's fine. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And you want to communicate with people about what you're doing. It's fine. But therein lies for me, the arbitrary number of we want to hit X. And it's so arbitrary. It's like, there's not a reason. We want to hit 10 million. We want to hit 20 million. We want to hit whatever. What I find here is when we're talking, people are like, oh, we rent a house for a month in Biza and then we go on to Switzerland and then we go here. And when I hear things like that, that's inspiring to me. And so I, when I listen to how people are traveling or what they're doing with their summer or just unique things in their life that are more experiential, that is inspiring to me and exciting. And even though I might not be on the level that they're traveling, you know, like they might be staying in a six-star hotel and I'm probably going to go for an Airbnb because I'm doing 10 weeks of travel straight. I, I am inspired by that on one hand and want to elevate to that. And so I think when the desire raises, when you have something that's exciting and emotional and and, and inspiring that you want to go after, the business picks up on its own versus the arbitrary number. And what, what is that other than a number? Anytime, Rob, anytime you and I have just had an arbitrary number goal, we have never met that. Mm-hmm. But when we have had a a tangible, experiential life goal, we have hit it. And I think here, the conversations we're having are relating more to experiential life goals than like a random number. Okay, so I'll leave you with this. So, you know, the last part of what Kim said, you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, well, of course, you know, they're going to, they're, they're spending a month in Switzerland or a month in Sardinia or a month in the South of France or whatever it is, that requires money. And you need to, and you need to focus on business. You need to focus on your goals. Are you, are you nodding your head right now? <laughs> are you listening? And you're going, that's right. They're yelling at it. Here's the difference. Yelling at the radio. I'll leave you with this. And I want you to think about it. Don't fight me on this because I'm literally talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you right now. When you are in the place of inspiration and excitement and joy, work on achieving your goals from there. Yes, and manifestation. And now I don't know if you can hear the church bells ringing in the background, indicating that it is now noon and it's time for us to go to lunch. So that's it, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or 
their Play Hard game. It would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds, and leave me a five-star review, and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 